everyone and welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm Jack Smith, joined in the studio by Ryan Abraham and Chris Trevino. It's been a while since we've done a Tunnel Vision, so thank you guys so much for tuning on. Make sure, as always, leaving a like on the video, leaving a comment wherever you're watching. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're also on YouTube. We'll be able to put some of those comments on the screen. But guys, it's been a while since we've been back in the studio. USC had the spring game yesterday. The transfer portal is back open, so we have a lot to talk about tonight. Where do you guys want to start it off? Yeah, we do, and uh, welcome everyone back. Uh, to Tunnel Vision. We should have done a couple of these episodes during spring fall. We didn't do it, but we're doing a recap here uh, today, which is great. We'll try to do some of these during the off season and stuff, kind of get through this stuff. There'll be a lot of, I guess we got like five months until uh, we see some Coliseum uh, football again, but definitely a lot of stuff to talk about. The transfer portal window opening up for another couple of weeks, uh, tweaking the roster, off season workouts, and then of course heading into what will be an early fall camp because USC has a spring uh, a game, a week zero game, so that should be a lot of fun. But uh, it's good to be back here and doing Tunnel Vision. We've been doing some live shows with the with the podcast, so it kind of feels like Tunnel Vision. We have the Tunnel Vision intro, but this is the you know the Sunday night Tunnel Vision. This is what we love. Sunday night baseball. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You're not a big fan. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I, you make me do a mini tunnel vision every, every Tuesday. <laughs> I don't need more live me. That's what I'm. That's my point. I, they don't need more live me. And I was trying to figure out when the last the world, time we did. The world needs more live you. Come on now. I don't. We did, I disagree. I disagree. We I did one with shotgun like pre spring ball. So we kind of previewed spring ball. Okay. That was the last tunnel vision one. I don't know the last. I literally can't remember the last time I was on tunnel vision. Like what was the last thing we did? I don't know. Yeah. I have to go back and look, but I don't know. But um, we're back. I'm back. You're back. I'm back. Jack is back. I am we, back. We had some, I'm, we had I'm the trans- reason. We had some transportation issues, maybe yeah. or whatever. I mean, he's a student. Like, what are you going to do? Like this, you know. It's we're like 25 miles from campus. So but it's, he's it's, double back because he missed the whole week of spring practice doing baseball. It's I also did, baseball yeah. season. So I was, I was, well, was I, making fun of him when he came back uh, last Tuesday. Maybe with USC going 0 for 0 and 3 on the weekend out in Corvallis, Shotgun's just going to end the podcast now. We're not covering we're not covering baseball, but who knows. I, tomorrow's podcast uh, of the Dato Download, go check it out if you haven't already. Might be a little less of a positive one than we have recently. But we're not here to talk about baseball. We're here to talk about USC football. And the spring game was yesterday. The defense came out with a 42 to 34 victory. And I think that's where we should probably start and you know I know they were spotted a bunch of points before the game but the defense looked like it took a step up you know Lincoln Riley was talking about it after specifically the front seven I thought the DBs played pretty well where do you guys want to start it off I think we should should lean towards the defense yeah we can do that uh like you said so the the scoring was interesting um you know this was not last year they had kind of split squads this was a offense versus defense the defense starts with 24 points and Basically, get three points for anything unless you score or get a safety. So, if a defensive score was seven points, everything else was three, like a turnover, missed field goal, um, things like that. So, the defense was able to put up some points. It was 
it got very interesting when we had that um what was it uh, who was who, the interception covington um jacoby covington jacoby covington two interceptions the game ceiling and the one in the end zone which was initially counted as a touchdown and then yeah reversed to a pick but they let them they let the offense keep the, the points the touchdown so i don't i don't it know. was weird so miller moss throws a pass to uh dorian singer and jacoby covington comes away with the they're both on the ground and he comes away with the ball and then they call it a touchdown he's like what and uh, then they eventually, you know, so they give the offense the seven points, and then they look back uh, and they say, "Oh, it's we're actually going to give the defense three points for the turnover." But the offense kept their seven points, and then after halftime, I think it was they took the seven points away. Um, but you know, the, I, I thought the scoring was, you know, it was close. Uh, you get some stops. Doing all that, taking away, letting him keep it, overturning it, that felt very Pac-12 officiating. So I think it fit. It, did, it, yeah. it was very Pac-12 officiating. So it, I think it, it was on fit. brand, for sure. And it was on Pac-12 Network, so not a lot of people watched the game anyway. So all felt very on brand for yeah. Pac-12. Unless you were there. And it was a little over 25,000 people, which is less uh, than last year. I thought we'd see some more. You it was gotta, Coachella weekend. Maybe that was why. Coachella, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, it was a nice day. It was uh, cool to be out there. People wanted to see how different the defense would look. And I think you got to see a different-looking defense the front seven especially i mean we saw keon bars we saw jamil muhammad uh you saw guys getting after it solo has been uh kind of our one-man wrecking crew out there so i think overall the defensive front looks like it was improved we saw you know freshmen like uh, christian pierce uh make a really nice play uh, picking off malachi nelson we already mentioned jacoby covington with a couple of interceptions um there was a I think Jamil Muhammad, Muhammad had a forced fumble sack on uh, uh, Malachi Nelson that was reco- eventually covered by Max Williams. I think you saw a deeper secondary and uh, some really some guys that can really play there. The most concerning, you know, like the, everything that was concerning on the defensive side seemed to be with the stop and the run. I mean, I think they did a nice job. No receiver really kind of went off. Uh, Caleb Williams. Three plays, seventy-five yards, a touchdown to start the game. He would be my MVP. I just, I, I know, you know, it was just he just looked unstoppable, and then he didn't play the rest of the game. But the run game, you know, Amarian Peterson, uh, Quentin Joyner. We only saw one carry from Austin Jones, and it was, you know, one of those three plays. It was like a twenty-something-yard run in that uh, seventy-five-yard touchdown uh, drive. So there was that. Um, you know, uh, Marshawn Lloyd had one catch for like 24 yards and making dudes miss and stuff. He looked like a grown man. They didn't, it's like, they didn't really need to see much from him, but you see the two freshman Texas running backs kind of going crazy out there. They both scored touchdowns. Um, and I, I think the run game, you know, not being able to stop the run was probably the most concerning. There was the pass rush I thought was pretty good. Um, you saw the quarterback sort of running for their lives a little bit, but they did not do a good job stopping the run. So I, I think there were some encouraging signs on the defense from my point of view, but not being able to stop the run was not one of those encouraging signs. I was probably a little bit kind to the run defense and tackling You know, two of the bigger issues that USC had, the defense had last season. When we did instant analysis, I was probably a little bit uh, too kind for those two points. And after watching the game, watching it back, because you know I only watched the game through – the lens of my camera because I'm right. filming highlights. So I only get really a small taste of the game itself until I can go back and watch and look at clips again. So yeah, I, I agree with you that I should have been more harsh on the run defense because they did get gashed a lot of times. And this is why fans have been clamoring for more defensive tackles, more interior defensive linemen to help out with the run defense and plug up 
those run holds, which seem to be very uh, open for the USC running back. So that is something that still needs to be worked on and the tackling. You know, I looked at it back when I was looking at my clips. Like, there was, okay, like, that's a missed tackle. That's a missed tackle. Marion Peterson just hurdled a guy. That's a missed (laughs) tackle. And I see it both ways. Like, there were some moments where they had good tackling. But, again, missed tackles happen in games. And, you know, credit to those guys for making the plays. You know, Marshawn Lynn's hitting the spin move to get out of that. Or, you know, Marion Peterson, too, had the athleticism to make that hurdle. But there was a, a bunch of missed tackles that I saw. And, yes, that needs to get fixed. So, but I also give credit to the offensive players for making them, you know, miss those tackles. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, yeah, those are still two of the biggest issues that USC fans are concerned about, run defense and tackling. Mixed results on Saturday. So those are definitely things that still need to be hit on uh, throughout the course of the offseason as we move into the summer, summer workouts, and then fall camp. And hopefully those will take a step forward as we move into the season. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because you never really know who to praise because if, you know, the defense isn't stopping the run, hey, maybe that's because the offensive line is blocking it up well. If someone gets hurled, it's a running back on the same team that's hurdling the guy. So you never really know who to praise. And I think Lincoln Riley mentioned it yesterday. It's like he has to focus on both sides of the ball. It's if if one side makes a good play, you never know if that means the other side didn't make a good play. So it's you kind of come out of it and you're not exactly sure how to analyze it. But I think the fact that it was competitive and it was back and forth, like Lincoln Riley said, it was all spring. Definitely seemed the coaching staff was happy with the way that the game went, that it wasn't all one-sided either way. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for in these 15 times they get to go out in the spring. Yeah, and I think, you know, we got, it was not a full game. It was two 15-minute halves. We Saw like the starting offensive line um, going out there for the first drive, and then it was kind of a mix and match. And sometimes you'd see most of the defensive starters, sometimes you'd see a mix around. I think they did a good job of just playing a lot of young guys. You know, there wasn't necessarily like, hey, this is what the offense is going to look like, this is what the defense is going to look like. And, and you don't know. I mean, Lincoln Riley's talked about this too. I think after the uh, we we got to see a open uh, practice on Monday of I guess it was last week or you know, six days ago or whatever it was, and you know, at the end of the the scrimmage or whatever the the, the team periods there was a couple interceptions and Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, passed along the word to us. It's like you know sometimes things happen, but the drill was meant to for those things to happen too. And so I I think some of it is just like okay they were they were working on this they were working on that. Like we didn't see any run game uh, the the whole practice that we saw on Monday. We got to see a lot of it. Uh, yesterday so yeah you don't need to take away like okay here's here's a declaration on the usc defense because of what i saw in the spring game so i uh, i think you can see individual guys make plays and go okay there's this is something promising like both i mean i think the running back room is going to be very good and i think we thought that going in you know it could be an austin jones but you bring in lloyd and he looks really good and the two freshmen uh tailbacks from texas look really good and you know, we saw some Rayleigh Brown uh, in space uh, in the slot, and you know he made some nice plays. He had he uh, he spun, I think it was Taka Curtis around or something, made him. So he was going sideways and then turned upfield on. He was just like in a heartbeat, and it was crazy. Uh, it was crazy good, but you know. So I think you could take things away like that. Like I really like uh, what the running back room is going to be. You say, hey, I saw some cool things from like a Dorian Singer or a Zach Branch. But taken away sort of like schematically, like, oh, I don't know, the defense looking bad, stop of the run. You know, I, I'm not thinking you're going to take that away from what, what we saw in the spring game. 
Right. I think it's very hard to look at a spring game and learn a lot, like you just said. And we talked about it, me and Jack, multiple times on Instant throughout the course of spring camp is like, we're not going to learn a whole lot. You know, we won't figure out if this will be a better tackling team. We won't figure out they're going to be a, more consistent in the pass rush. We won't figure out if they're, you know, going to be a good run defense. We won't know those things until they start playing actual games on Saturday. The spring game is just, you know, like a showcase to go out there. But you can take away observations about certain players and maybe a little bit about certain position groups. So it was really nice to just get out there see some guys move around. They did look bigger. They did look longer. They did look more athletic. You can get excited about the the running back room. You can get excited about that crop of receivers, which is adding more firepower in the summer. Just as a reminder, Jacoby Lane, who was in the Coliseum, and Deuce Robinson will be joining that that fray for the wide receivers and tight ends. So more weapons are coming. But you can get excited, you know, about a Solomon Tuliapupu, who is, you know, really transformed from linebacker emerging as a defensive lineman and really refine his technique as as Lincoln Riley said you know last year was just trying to get get by you with the bull rush now he's added more you know moves to his arsenal in terms of getting the quarterback and we're seeing him have more of an impact and I've been told you know he had a really really good spring camp and Lincoln Riley echoed that in his presser uh yes or yesterday so you can take away individual performances and look like okay this guy's looking like he's going to be a guy that helps us out or, you know, maybe this side of the offensive line is looking really good. But it's, it's hard to just take away overall takeaways from and in the offense or the defense. Or we won't have those questions answered specifically about the defense until fall, until the week gets going. Yeah, and I think one of the things Lincoln Riley said in the press conference yesterday, and you were, you know, part of it was talking about like a guy like Solo. Yes, there's new players out there. Do you like what? Mason Cobb brings to the table. Do you like what Jamil Muhammad or Keon Bars? There's a bunch of guys that look like they're going to contribute. But he was also talking about guys that are coming back that look like they're going to take steps forward and be a, a, a better player. And, you know, like Solo was one of them. I forget some of the other guys that he talked about. But um, that it's not just the new players that were added, but really getting improvements out of the guys that were there. Another year in the system. And, and all that. So that's, I mean, the justification for keeping the staff the way it was, was because it's going to be like, hey, there's continuity. We're going to bring everyone together. A guy like, uh, you know, Kalen uh, Bullock, who I talked to yesterday after the game, just being in year two, he can tell. Now, now he's been in the system. He understands it. Last year, everyone, it was new to everyone. Now when someone comes in, a Christian uh, Pierce comes in and he can talk to him about it and say, hey, here's what we expect from you. And this is what we do. And that's why we do this. Where we none of that was happening last year, so some of the guys that just were on the roster as holdovers, they should be. You know, Lincoln Riley seems very bullish on them being a lot better this year. One of those guys, obviously, Sierra Wright, yes. who Lincoln Riley has talked about multiple times, and me and Jack talked about on instant. I thought he had a really nice spring game. You know, I think there were a couple uh, flags thrown his way, but for the most part, you know, he was doing what he was doing and you know breaking up some passes, being a guy who can take over as that number one cornerback. From Makai Blackman, who's off to the NFL or, you know, hopefully drafted this uh, end of this month. Is that the draft or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. A couple weeks. Yeah, like Come, coming up. but week and a half or something. Sierra Wright is, you know, someone weeks. that uh, Riley has talked about taking that next step. We saw him take that jump uh, last year as, as he moved into a starter, started nine games, you know, kind of fell into a rotation with Jacoby Covington there at the end. But he kind of talked about how Sierra did that. That is when things really started to slow down for him, and it's starting to slow down even more 
there in spring camp. And I think you saw the plays being made or the playmaking ability capable of Sierra Wright. And that was something that Dante Williams also mentioned that he has the confidence, he's making plays out there, and he's having a lot of fun, which, you know, it's football. should be fun. Yes. And, you know, you're seeing that growth from a second-year guy in this defense, and you're hoping if a handful of guys can have jumps like Sierra is doing or Kalen Bullock is doing, you you feel good about the defense moving in the right direction in 2023. Yeah, I mean, Dejon Benton's another guy that matches that second year in the defense kind of mold. He had a sack the other day. Sam Green, the the rush end freshman, he's one of those guys that's the new guys that they, they brought in, you know, after saying we need to upgrade the front seven. Lincoln Riley mentioned yesterday that the coaching staff really knew all of last year this is a place we really have to add in the offseason, and they go out and add a four-star Sam Green. He has a sack in the game, and, and I, I think I echo, I think it was Ryan said it, that you really felt like the quarterbacks were running for their life a lot, and you know whether that's m- moving around the offensive line and seeing what fits, or it's just the defense is bigger physically and they're able to use better pass rush moves. I, I think it was a very noticeable difference, as Lincoln Riley said, with that front seven. They, they look bigger, they look faster, uh, and maybe they still have work to do uh, stopping the run, but you, you're starting to feel like it's trending toward uh, front seven that the coaching staff will be happier with. Yeah, I think there's, you know, you saw some individual plays being made. And, you know, if you want to take something away from that, where like, I like a, a, you know, number 44 out there, he looks pretty good as a freshman. And, um, or, you know, number 10 or, you know, Muhammad, any of those guys, you're like, okay, they're getting off the quarterback. I think this is a positive as opposed to like, well, the whole front seven stinks because the, they weren't really stopping the run. But I think that's some of that stuff you can take away from it, like Jack was saying. It's just that there's, there's different, better individuals and some of the guys that were on the roster uh do look better as well so if you you want to take away that that it looks like the personnel uh the drop off after the starters all that stuff looks like it's improved and so if you're a USA fan that hope you know you're hoping that that equates to a better defense you know it's it's gonna be hard to not be a better defense it's just how much better they were last year they're deeper they're bigger they're more athletic they're longer than they were last year so Again, doesn't get does not guarantee no. a turnaround, but they have at least made some moves and made some adjustments to, on paper, be a better defense than they did than they were last year. So we just have to go out and see it. Yeah. I guess before we move on to offense, kind of the one position group we haven't mentioned is the linebackers. We got to see Mason Cobb out there. There was a stretch where he had a really good play in coverage on Taj Washington, and then Shane Lee had some pretty good deep coverage down the middle. I thought the linebacking room was a mixed bag, but what what did you guys see out there yesterday? Yeah, I think that was back-to-back like coverage plays. I think it was the end of the first half, maybe. They they batted some balls down, and I think the... The Mason Cobb one, it was like a longer developing play, and he he ran from sideline to sideline to make that one. Was I that thought the he one looked... to Barlow? No, it was Taj Washington on the on the okay. sideline. Yeah, and then uh, I didn't, you know, didn't get to see a lot, or at least I didn't notice a lot of Taka Curtis. I mean, people saw that Rayleigh Brown sort of put that move on him, um, but you know, yeah, I I didn't come away like thinking a whole lot about the linebackers, which sort of been the theme of the last couple of years watching this defense. So maybe that's not a great sign. But there was, like Jack mentioned, a couple. A little stretch there where you saw some plays from the linebackers. Yeah, there were some moments, you know, like those two coverage plays. I believe Rajon Davis had a sack. I think they gave it to somebody else, but I watched clearly in the clips. You can see on my field level highlights where Rajon touches him, and he's like, what the heck, guys? I touched him, and yeah. he finally blew the whistle. So Rajon came out with sack was good. You know, Tackett Curtis didn't, you know, 
what's a flash as much as you, you thought he would. You know, there's a couple plays where he kind of was trying to make the tackle, but was just a little bit short. Did have that moment with Relique Brown. So, you know, but he's still, you know, all the hype that has been placed on him, you have to remember, he is a true freshman. He's technically should still be in high school. Give him time. He has a work ethic. He has a talent. I think it'll work itself out. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a deer in the headlights kind of situation being, you know, in front of fans for the first time, you know, he has a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's still a freshman. I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock him down just because he had a couple of freshman moments in a, in a spring game. That that happens. That's what a spring game is for, to get that yeah. confidence. If you remember, Kalen Bullock really struggled in his first spring game, got torched a couple times down the field, ended up going on to be a freshman All-American that year. So he, a, a valuable learning experience happens in the spring game, and then you use that for your summer and your, your fall and then in your season. So don't don't worry about it if you know you didn't notice tackling a lot or you know he had a couple moments where he missed a tackle or whatever. He'll use that. He'll get better, and then you know we'll see what happens during the season. Yeah, and coaches will mention that you know tight end and linebacker, two of the harder positions to really come in as a true freshman and be good right away. And you know I think NFL coaches echo that as well. It's like there's a reason why you know it takes some some time to develop is because these are hard positions to learn. In high school, a lot of times you can go out there and just hit the guy with the ball. This time you've got the developing plays that Lincoln Riley's the one drawing them up, and you have to try and figure out where everyone's going, who everyone is. And so linebacker's one of those hard positions where you have to come in as a true freshman. But yeah, I, I think the linebacking room was kind of a wash. You know, you saw some plays where they missed some tackles, but you did see some improvement in coverage. And this is all without mentioning Eric Gentry, who we've heard a lot of notes about this week despite his injury, but hasn't played all spring, didn't get a chance to play yesterday. So that's another person you have in that room. And so I think they feel pretty pretty good about the room. I, I thought it was nice to see Mason Cobb make that play on Taj Washington. And I asked him about it after the game. And he said that in spring practice, I think it was a couple weeks ago, that Taj had that exact same play and caught it on the sideline on him. And he said when he saw it come across his face in this game, he wasn't going to let it happen again. So it's it's those learning moments that Chris talks about where, you know, maybe the one that we see in the spring games, the one where the, the offense does catch it, but then the next time, you know, rolling through summer or going into the fall is where they, they realize their mistake and they get it right the second time. And that's what spring ball is for. And I think we saw a lot of that in a bunch of different positions yesterday. But make sure you guys are leaving comments on the stream so we can put them up at the end. Let's move on to the offense. And I think the big highlight outside of the Caleb Williams-led a hundred or what was it? Seventy-five yards and seventy seconds drive <laughs> was the running back room led by. You had Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones make one good play each, and then you had the the young guys really take over and step up. So where do you guys want to start there? Yeah, um, we're gonna do like a top performers thing, and I think I think Chris, you sent in your list, and I was gonna have Kayla Williams be the top. You know, it's like yeah, he only had three plays, but he just looked like. Caleb Williams, you know, you're like, okay. Like, it's almost like you have to do the list, like, top performers minus the returning Heisman winner. You only, you know, play three plays. It's kind of an interesting deal that way, but sure. Yeah, that's fair. You could, I mean, stick him in there. Uh, you know, look really sharp, obviously. There wasn't really much uh, that you could do, but that I think that was, like, the true feeling of this is probably what the offensive line was like when you had uh, Michael Tarquin in there, um, Kingston playing guard, uh, Monheim playing the other tackle spot. Monheim playing a little center, too. He did a little center in the game, but like as far as starting position goes, you know, Didich, uh being at center and Quinones at the, the left guard spot. You know, and you got Ethan White, whatever. I mean, you, you got there's, – there's some options coming forward, and they might still hit the portal, which we're going to talk about the portal in a little bit. But, you know, it looked like a pretty solid starting offensive line, and it just sort of blitzkrieged the – 
the defense. I talked to Caleb Bullock, and he was just sort of like, yeah, we, I mean, they just came out like boom, boom, boom. And, you know, they sort of settled in after that. But would you have been settled in if Caleb Williams was still, you know, quarterbacking and stuff? So that, I think that was, if you were worried there would be sort of drop off after a Heisman year, like, nah, I think he's still going to be really good. And Lincoln Riley said afterwards, like, we, you know, what do you need to see from him? This is really a showcase for some of the young guys. Yeah. I thought, you know, uh, for Malachi Nelson, and I think Lincoln Riley talked about it. I mean, he had that uh, off his off, not his, th- his non throwing shoulder injury. And so he basically just started at the beginning of spring ball. He didn't have any of the summer workouts, I mean, the, uh, the winter workouts and things like that. And I think the analogy that Lincoln Riley said would be like, you know, you're a golfer coming off an injury and like your first round is in the Masters or something, or something you know, big, you're playing in a tournament right away. So, yeah, I thought he, you know, there were some ups and downs. He had some, you know, good stuff and some some struggles. And, uh, you know, I thought Miller Moss did a pretty good job kind of coming in. He saw the majority of the work on that side of the ball because we didn't see, um, you know, Caleb Williams most of the time. I thought, you know, he did have that pick in the end zone. Really the only touchdown pass, I believe, was Caleb Williams. Um, so it's, I did, the passing game wasn't, like, on fire outside of Caleb Williams. But, like, you know, Jack mentioned, like, the run game, was really good. And if you saw, you know, I think uh, if you look at Gavin Morris's like Instagram story, he was doing the whole thunder and lightning thing with Quentin Joyner and Amaria Peterson. Uh, and those guys look, you know, they looked the part when you, when we would see, you know, like Peterson come down, what is he? Is he six, two? Six, um, he's listed at six, two, about 230 pounds, 20 pounds, something like that. Yeah. He came out. I think one time I took a picture of him coming out of the tunnel, like with shoulder pads on with no Jersey. And it just looks like, he looks like a grown man that's been in college for a couple of years. So the Thunder Lightning thing I thought worked, and uh, both of those guys, you know, looked really good. We'll have to see, you know, pass protection, all that stuff. Other there's other things you want to do as a running back, but we got to see the freshman running backs run, and they did a nice, <laughs> they did a nice job with it. No blocky, no rock. Yeah. If you don't pass block, you're not going to get carries. So that's something that you know freshmen typically struggle with, but. Austin Jones had some complimentary things to say about those young guys working on their pass blocking, specifically Marion Peterson, who is obviously a really big dude, but he says he has really good patience as a pass blocker, which is obviously a key when you're doing that. And he said, you know, he's way better than I am. Maybe not way better, but he said he's better than uh, I was as a true freshman when uh, in pass blocking. So Marion Peterson, you know, shaping up to possibly be a really, really good pass blocker down the line but those guys you know are able to handle like a real college blitz and, and pick up those and be trusted to block for a quarterback and you know a Heisen winner in Caleb Williams yeah they're going to get some touches but a very stacked running back room but it was great to see those guys get out there Quentin Joyner showed off that deceptive speed you know a lot of people aren't really talking about him being a speed guy but showed that speed had that big touchdown run that big run up the sidelines where he you know kept his balance after being Knocked around. I think Kalen Bullock was the one who came and gave him a knock, but able to stay mm-hmm. uh, stay upright, get a couple extra yards. And then the big man, Marion Peterson, getting up, showing, the, hey, I have some athleticism and, and, <laughs> and hurtling a Max Williams. I put that that clip on uh, Twitter uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, lot, lots of good things out of those two. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Quentin Joyner looks the part as well in how much speed he has, the elusiveness. If you go to Chris's field level highlights, which are out on YouTube right now, you see him hit the hole, and he knows exactly where he's going. He's weaving through defenders, and it's like, wow, he's running away from everyone. That's how fast Quentin Joyner is. And, you know, we've seen that there's fast players on this USC defense, and Joyner was kind of knifing through the middle of it on his early run that he got down 
to, uh, towards the goal line and then eventually scored. He looks the part too. And for USC, if you've got Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones duking it out for the starting job, you still have Darwin Barlow, who I know Chris is a fan of for his grown man runs, which he showed off in the Rose Bowl last year. And then you've got these two freshmen that are barking at everyone's heels. That's that's five deep in the running back room. And it maybe makes sense why you have a guy like Relique Brown moving out to wide receiver because you're trying to get all the skill talent on the field at the same time and so whether it's this year or whether it's next year I think uh, USC fans and USC coaches in general coming out pretty happy about the way that the two freshman running backs looked yeah and I think if I'm if I don't I'm, so in the post-game press conference you had Lincoln Riley who answered most of the questions of course and uh, they had Jacoby Covington who got a question at the end and, and Marshawn Lloyd I believe Lloyd's question was about like the freshman running backs and you know certainly high praise from him um, going there, I, it was kind of interesting to pick him as one of the offensive players when he really only had one one touch. One touch. But it was a really nice touch. It was a really good touch of the game. But I guess okay, you know. But I think that shows that you know what they think of him uh, as a leader. But you know, in his leadership, being able to you know sing the praises of those freshman running backs, I thought that was you know that said a lot as well. So yeah, that the run game. You know, this was I think the run game was featured more. It was just sort of like a hit or miss thing with the pass. You know, I got to, we talked to Dorian Singer. Uh, afterwards and uh he was sort of a kind of a soft-spoken guy but you saw you know we the the monday practice we saw he had the biggest play in the passing game uh of that time and you can just kind of see like oh yeah this this is a guy that's going to be able to go out there and make some plays and um you know that one that could have had a touchdown that ends up being an interception uh but i you know there's a lot of potential there we saw potential with zach branch I think they listed him with like eight catches. It didn't seem like he had that many. Yeah, it was, it had like eight for ninety-four, which I don't it think didn't is that. It seemed like that was had, real, but I had maybe five catches. They tried to get him the ball early. He had a drop. He had to one start. drop, and yeah. there was a couple passes that were kind of off target. I think one like skipped the ground before and hit him, and one was like a little bit too high. They were trying to yeah. get him the ball, but there was some a little bit of disconnect. They did have the drop, but didn't make it up with that that long that long catch down the sideline. There was a Miller Moss. It was a really nice pass, Miller Moss over the shoulder to uh, to Branch, and that that was one of the better plays I thought. And then he had that play over the middle where he's trying to pick up the first down. He kind of stiff armed Shane Lee, you know. Yes, you know he did get a stiff arm. He's a small guy, super fast, but you don't really think about his strength. But he's built, and he will stiff arm you if if he gets the opportunity. So, uh, you know, we got to see a little bit. I thought I really wanted to see him take the top off. Didn't quite take the top off with that that big. That catch he had, I wanted him to go all the way down. But if Jalen Smith did not hold on to him, holding on for dear life to keep him to keep him uh, tethered to him, he, he was going for he was going for six. You were not going to catch uh, Zach Branch if he got loose there. No, for sure. And uh, we, you know, we, I think Branch came on a little bit later. Rayleigh Brown really didn't see much of him early on, and then kind of came in later. I think four catches or something like that uh, coming out of the slot. We already mentioned the the nice. But I mean, it was literally like he was running sideways, and then just on a dime turned up field. And, and that's one of the things we saw where he was sort of running, you know, East and West instead of North and South. And it was almost like he was thinking about it, like, why am I running sideways? And he's just like, boom, I'm going <laughs> to cut up. And uh, it was a really nice play from him. Yeah. I mean, just a dynamic athlete. And I've said this before, but really Brown was being recruited to play wide receiver by some schools. That's how good he was. He, he would have been a high level wide receiver prospect. Obviously, He's a little bit small, you know, kind of a slot back, you know, probably even smaller than Zachariah Branch. Not as fast as him, but definitely that elite level quickness. And that's just going to be a freaking headache for a defensive coordinator to have. Maybe you're looking over at Zach Branch in this slot, then Relique Brown in this slot, and then 
Brendan Rice on the outside or Deuce Robinson way outside, six foot six, six foot six foot four, six foot two, and then two elite level quickness guys. It's just uh, it's just terrifying to to think about as yeah. a defense coordinator. No Cliff Kingsbury sightings, right? We didn't see any. I didn't see any. Yeah, I didn't see any either. Chris, I wasn't sure. Chris, you did see Greg Brown though, right? I saw. I thought I, I saw that in see, your. I did see Greg Brown. He was. It, we were on the peristyle end zone at the end of the game, and there's like it's very different from a normal game because it's like the cr- sidelines are so crowded and the end zones yeah. are so crowded. But there was like literally no one except for me, and I noticed that Greg Brown was kind of over my shoulder. He was on his headset, kind of watching uh, defense and, and talking. I'm not quite sure what you're saying, but yeah, it was just me and him. You know, <laughs> Greg Brown hanging on the end zone. Nice. Well, I'm sure we'll see Kingsbury come up soon. And one of you know, when we talk on the defensive side, uh, Romello Height was dressed, but he I don't think he, he did, did anything. Participate. Yeah, but like guys like Romello Height could be you know a, a key person. You know, uh, Solomon Bird. Tyrone Teleni, um, all those guys were were out, right? Um, you know, so, yeah, no can Eric I just run Gentry. Down that list real quick of guys that didn't participate. Do you have the list there? Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head. Okay. I mean, Romello Hyde dressed but did not participate. Zion Branch dressed but did not participate. Tyrone Teleni and Stanley Tawafu did not participate. Uh, Latrell McCutcheon did not participate. Malachi Crawford, the freshman, did not participate. Makai Lemon did not participate. Solomon Bird did not participate, and those were kind of the main. Those were you know guys who were were not dealing with you know surgeries like an Eric Gentry or a Jude Wolf, so yeah. who were obviously out for the game. So those were the kind of guys going into camp that and Jamar Sakona, defensive lineman, also did not participate. So yeah. those were kind of the main guys that were uh, you know fine in spring, and then for whatever reason did not practice or did not participate on Saturday. Yeah. I don't know if I'm deaf. Did, did you mention Zion Branch? I did. Okay, yeah. As a dress, but did not participate. You know, those guys are coming off surgeries, Zion and Romello Heights. So just being cautious, no need to, to, to force them. Ryan right. always does this. No well, need to force them. We were getting uh, some comments about your mic wasn't as loud as it could be, I guess. so. I always get a comment about mic and loudness and all that kind of stuff. Nice. It's just the tunnel vision uh, <laughs> I forgot the word. <laughs> to be Tunnel fair, vision. Chris has been working all tradition. weekend. Tradition. Yeah. Tunnel Chris has been tradition. working all weekend. He's tired. Um, Don't say I'm tired because I'm like, that. Oh, that people Now I'm rubbing that. my eye. Now I'm, they're doing the you thing where yawn? they're like, yeah, if you I You might yawn. as well yawn now. No, you can't really do a fake Full yawn. disclosure, I, like, I took a little nap before the show. It's like, it's been, oh, it's nice. been a, it's been a long nice weekend. For you. It was very brief. It was like a 20-minute short. That's that's what a nap should be. Anything longer than that screws up your whole day. Oh, nice. Take it from Chris, I, I guess. Um, I, I think, yeah, you mentioned some of those players that did not participate. And if USC gets a couple of those to be the guys that they wanted to, they could be real X-factors. I mean, we saw Solomon Bird when he was on last year really dominated that whole Fresno State game. He's one of the big reasons that it was uh, such a big USC win. You've got guys like Romello Height who came from Auburn. And then Zion Branch is a real X factor if he can take over with Kalen Bullock at the safety position and be the guy that they recruited him to be because I think people forget just you know how big of a get that was for the Trojans that that could be a big deal. And so I think you're seeing, and I know that we've talked about this on Instant and a lot of other different things, but you're seeing the depth. Like, 
at some point, one of these guys, even if they play well, isn't going to get a chance to start because USC has more talent now on defense where the depth and, and the guys that if someone is injured, someone that's going to step up, you feel a little bit better if it's Zion Branch stepping in for maybe a Max Williams than if in past years, you know, who's been that second line going out for USC. So I think that, you know, the coaches have mentioned it, but you, you do definitely see it with the names on the roster as well as I think the play yesterday where you feel pretty good about the depth and, and the way that it's trending. Yeah, it didn't look like the defense was, uh, I mean, it looked like the defense had plenty of depth and there was a bunch of guys that weren't out there. And I think that's just, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about this. He goes, you know, we didn't say, but there was just a lot of holes last year, you know, and there was going to be some spots were really thin. And if you lose a guy, there was going to be a big drop off. And by the end of the season, there was, you know, I think there was, you know, fairly big drop off. So building up that, that starting lineup where you want to improve on. And I think it's going to be a better group of guys, but then also if there is two, three, four, five injuries, he doesn't feel as, you know, it's not like as big of a deal because the guys coming in are pretty close to where they were. So I, I'm just saying like the optimism that he has towards like what, you know, the, the roster, the way it was constructed uh, last year was sort of, you know, maybe, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but there was, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of things that he had to address, and it looked pretty good. I mean, you win 11 games. It was fine. Um, but I think it's going to be better this year. And does that mean it's going to be a better record? I don't know. I, but I think the personnel is going to be better. I think the depth is going to be better. Like Chris mentioned, guys look you know bigger, faster, stronger. Um, doesn't mean the defense is going to be a lot better. It needs to be a lot better. And if it is, I think they can you know certainly win the Pac-12 and potentially go to a, a playoff. But that is all predicated on the defense being a lot better. And just because you've got some guys that are bigger, stronger, and all that doesn't look mean at, it will look be. Look at Texas A&M. They had a bunch of guys who were bigger, faster, stronger than <laughs> everyone in the country, and they still sucked. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very true. Well, yeah, what, I mean, Anthony Lucas, one of those guys that he's you know now here in Los Angeles, he was another one of those guys that he's new on the front seven. USC likes it because he brings the size and the speed. On the deep, I think it was the first play to Brendan Rice down the left sideline, Chris, you can watch Anthony Lucas almost running down Brendan Rice, who considers himself the fastest player on the team, which just gives you a little bit of perspective about the kind of guys that USC brought in. And, you know, like Ryan mentioned, doesn't guarantee uh, just because you've got speed and strength, you're going to be a better defense. But it is different than, you know, I think last year when USC had some guys out in coverage in the Tulane game and Tulane went for the that 75 yard plus touchdown. When you have defensive linemen out in coverage, sometimes it doesn't work. But I forget who was talking about it this week, but I think it was Shane Lee saying even when they put Anthony Lucas out in coverage, like he makes freaky plays. So you, when you add the speed and strength, it can help you at least make up for certain things. And I thought it was it was just pretty crazy seeing on the field level highlights him almost chase down Brendan Rice. Yeah. And overall, like if you, you know, what you take away, um, you know, the roster kind of looks better like we thought it would. Didn't see a whole lot of special teams. Um but, you know, it was nice to see, you know, Dennis Lynch hit a couple field goals. Lincoln Riley mentioned that. Um, so, did we get a couple punts or something? I think. Yeah, he had, Eddie Chaplitsky had two punts. But also, I thought what was most interesting is that he was, he kicked off as well. Oh, yeah. Obviously. He did that for Arizona State, I thought, too. Maybe. I did not know that. I think, I, he, I think he kicked for Arizona State, too, no? Yeah, he was like, I think he was both. I don't, yeah, I believe he did both. Um, well, the number so one punter in the country. Or country, but Pac-12 is coming. You know, you don't expect to punt a lot. Might as well get the most out of them yeah. and handle your kickoffs. Which, as Lincoln Riley pointed out, they need more touchbacks in 2023. So they went out and tried to alleviate that. They'll have another. They'll have a kicker coming in who led CIF in touchbacks. So 
they have some reinforcements coming to help with that, as well as, you know, Eddie Chaplitsky, being yeah. the kickoff guy. So, I mean, you get a little glimpse of special teams. Seems like it's better. Defense seems like it's better. You know, offense looks good, you know, from what we saw, just knowing what the starters would look like. You know, it's, it's nice. You come away, you know, Lincoln Riley said there weren't any major injuries. Like, that's kind of what you wanted. You got a lot of young guys, some reps. You got people, like, learning the system. You got guys that were there last year getting better. Heading into, you know, a long offseason, there's a lot of summer workouts, 20 hours a week or whatever you could do with Benny Wiley trying to get everyone better. And then, boom, uh, all of a sudden we're in fall camp and uh, you're getting ready to play San Jose State. So I think if you're looking at this from Lincoln Riley's lens, you're like, okay, mission accomplished. Like, this is what we wanted uh, to do. And now the transfer portal window opens and you have a better feel for what you have and he's you know, he when we asked him about it, didn't really have any specifics as far as like what you were going to go after. It's like just try to find some of the best players. But I think there's a process. You know, like when when you hire somebody that's good at their job, it's not willy nilly. Like there's there's a system. You know, there's a, a there's a method behind. There, you don't just accidentally get you know three Heisman Trophy winners and a bunch of guys that are first round draft picks and all that kind of stuff. There's a method to it, and I I you're seeing. I think Lincoln Riley's method in, in year one was really just trying to like patch as many holes as possible. Stay above uh, water. Yeah, and 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 you end up winning eleven games, which probably was overachieving for what, you know, you took over a four and eight kind of team. But uh and now it's just sort of like, okay, now we're not just patching holes, we're like building more foundations to kind of build, you know, for the future of the program on. And this next couple of weeks could be really big for that, uh, you know, building off what you had from spring football, knowing what you have. And, and, you know, I'm curious to see what he thinks about, well, you know, I thought we needed another this position or that position. And maybe we don't. You know, we were a little deeper there than we thought or whatever. So I'm curious to see which direction kind of USC goes. I don't know if you wanted to transition, Jack, into the church poll stuff, but maybe that's a, a good segue. But, you know, that it was sort of like, We'll get your final thoughts on spring ball, but like sort of like here's what we wanted for the spring, mission accomplished. Okay. The portal opens like the day we had the spring game. Now we can, you know, address some other needs there to make things a little bit better. And if you remember, like Jordan Addison was, you know, after spring ball. Eric Gentry was after spring ball. Like they made some pretty big moves after spring ball. And if they do a couple more, I mean, I I like the way the roster is right now better than I liked it last year, you know, after spring ball, but you can make it even better. Uh, that would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it to Chris for the transfer portal. There's a couple guys that are in the portal from USC, a couple uh, bear-sized prospects that the Trojans might be looking at to bring in. So, uh, Chris, just you know, with the with the portal now open for the second period, what are some of the vibes that you're getting? Uh, what are you hearing? And then also, uh, we, maybe we talk about the couple players that are entering the portal from USC. For those who are maybe not familiar with the transfer portal, there are now two windows where players can enter the portal. This second window opened on Saturday, and it's going to be open for 15 days. So it ends on April 30th. The first one was open for 45 days, so you can see this is a much smaller window. But the big thing is USC, you know, we figure is going to be, quote-unquote, buyers in the secondary market. They're going to go after some players to add to their roster. But the key to that, Ryan, as the man who does the scholarship distribution chart, is Mm -hmm. they need open scholarships to be able to make that happen NCAA got rid of the 25-man cap for, you know, teams. You know, you used to only be able to bring in 25 bodies every season. Now you can bring in as many as you want as long as you're under that 
cap. Yeah. USC, I think they're like around 83 right now. They have a couple spots to play with, but we're probably going to see some more scholarships open up. Not a ton. We're not talking like 10 players. At least that's not what we're projecting. But, you know, maybe five guys uh, leave, go off, and, you know, or maybe they focus more on academics than be part of the uh, the team. We call it being processed, if you will. You know, you can still go to USC, but you're not – you don't count towards their athletic scholarship uh, numbers. So we've seen a couple players enter already. Cortland Ford, uh, that was his – he – he already made his intention clear that he was going to enter the portal. He officially hit the portal today. Joshua Jackson, a cornerback, former wide receiver prospect, he is in there as a grad transfer. He actually entered the day before the portal opened, and you can do that as a grad transfer because it's a little bit different. But Joshua Jackson, Cortland Ford, those are like kind of like the first two after spring. Uh, if you remember, Malcolm Epps also entered during or declared his intention to uh, enter uh, after the first week of spring practice or after they come back from spring break. So three guys that were there after the season no longer going to be on the roster. We expect a couple more to do the same. But, again, we'll know more as the week moves forward about who's actually going to enter uh, moving forward. But as far as names, you know, I have a transfer portal tracker up on USPeople.com, which, you know, outlines pretty much everything I just talked about, scholarship numbers, you know, guys that have already entered the portal, kind of breakdowns on guys who have, uh, who are leaving USC, and then kind of the names out there that USC might be interested in. You know, the two big ones right now is Bear Alexander, the former top 50 defensive lineman out of Georgia. I, I, he played at IMG. I believe he was actually, he's actually at a Texas. He's a Texas native, played at IMG, then signed Georgia. with, played at Georgia, uh, the, with the Bulldogs, part of the national championship defense. I believe he actually started in the national championship game, had a couple of sacks. So big boy, six foot three, 315 pounds. This would be a massive, massive get for USC and that defense. It would free you up to do a lot more with Keon Bars, move him to defensive tackle. You could put uh, Bear Alexander at that nose tackle position. Now, USC was involved with Bear Alexander when he was a high school prospect. That was from the previous staff, but I believe they made his like top, 12 or something like that. And then <laughs> after that, I, d I don't know what happened. But, yeah, obviously went to Georgia, won a national championship there. Looks like he's ready to move on. You know, the early thing is uh, Rusty Menzel over at uh, the, our Georgia site, you know, he reported, you know, that he expects USC to be a serious player here and to look out for the Trojans to be kind of in the front position for Barrett Alexander. So that would be massive. There was, you know, talk of Barrett Alexander's uh, – uh, dad at the spring game and also his quote-unquote handler if you will that's what people call them and you know his handles their recruitment they were both at the usc spring game which obviously that's a that's pretty very sign. interesting sign you know yeah. no bear alexander but you know the two biggest influences in his recruitment you know that's a putting two to two and two together that's a a great step for usc to get a jump on the ball like that with him going to the portal so if USC, you know, is able to get, you know, a bear Alexander, that's massive for that defense. That is what USC fans have been pounding the table for. Bigger defensive tackles, talented defensive tackles. Let's not just say a big body, but a talented guy who's a top 50 prospect in the class. And then on the other side of the ball, USC is, you know, going after Cam Run Johnson. I believe that's what his name is. He's out of Houston. Uh, so many names, I, but he, as it was reported on our Peristyle 
by Chris Hummer, one of our national guys who, who handles a lot of the portal stuff, that uh, Cameron is going to be taking a visit to USC. An official visit, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah, as well as Missouri, I believe. So those are kind of the two contenders right now. Uh, all A all AAC uh, selection first team. Uh, he plays guard. We talked about how USC could use some more interior offensive line help as well as offensive tackle. So we'll see what that that looks like. But those are kind of the two biggest names right now with USC ties to them. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about big, it's you know size. Like this is a big defensive tackle. I mean, looking at an Anthony Lucas. I mean, a couple of times you know just when you would watch him and. He just looks like this big football player, and he looks different than a lot of the guys that USC had kind of had. And a uh, Barrel Alexander, you know, it's like national championship experience. Like that's the kind of stuff uh, that you want, and you'd love to get those guys out of high school. And I think the plan is going to be to continue to you know recruit high school as hard as you can. But it, the, the whole the, the whole deal with the transfer portal, things happen a lot faster. You're getting proven commodities. You're got you know guys that have played. You know, and I think the first time around when USC went to the defensive portal, like they were getting guys that maybe had been like like a Shane Lee who was good a couple years ago and then really hadn't been playing that much, or uh, like a Romello Height who looks the part but maybe didn't have the stats. Um, you know, the the production there, and I think now you're going getting guys that you know can play that were producing uh, at a high level. Uh, Jack Sullivan or whatever. I mean, we've we've seen them make a whole lot of plays, and a guy like Bear Alexander uh, fits that. It just it's not an edge guy. This is a big body that you're going to find, you know, in the middle of your defense that can make an enormous like someone like that can make an enormous difference. Um, you know, going forward, I think just you you plug that you know you get that big guy in the middle, and then sort of everything you know you can push guys out. Every it just every it makes everybody. It, it sort of like makes everyone better. It opens know? up the entire defense getting a guy like that just because you don't have to worry about Anthony Lucas embracing that inner Bubba this year. You know, you can keep him <laughs> on the edge and he doesn't have to be up to 300 pounds. Like I said, with Keon Bars, that's another big body you can cycle in there. And they even move Keon to defensive tackle. So you have a defensive tack or a defensive line of, you know, uh, Bars, Bear Alexander, uh, Anthony Lucas, or Jack Sullivan, who's, you know, six foot five, looks like a offensive lineman at times. That's how big he is. So, <laughs> You get a guy like that, that's a cherry on top of, like, a big overhaul at that defensive yeah. front. You're so much bigger than you were last year. It's not even, like, funny. All those guys you mentioned weren't on the roster last year. I mean, so yeah. like, so if you want optimism that they, they can be better, well, if you have a completely new – I mean, Thule's hard to replace, right? Led the nation in sacks. But if you're upgrading pretty much every spot across that defensive line and I think a guy like Bear Alexander sort of like kind of puts you over the top a little bit I mean it's almost like getting two guys you know um, not just because he's that big but just sort of like when you get that if you can secure that spot in the middle and it gives you options for some of those other guys that can move out and and things like that and then you know if you're going to get I, I think if they hit a, and they get a couple good linemen which is not always easy to do um, so these guys don't grow on trees they're not always you know in the portal and they go fast they're very Hot commodities, and I think it shows something. If if a Lincoln Riley and staff can go in there and 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 get a couple guys like that, it's going to make a big difference, you know. And we didn't see the difference makers on the defensive side of the ball coming out of the portal last year, and you're starting you're seeing a lot more of those now. And then the hope is that that's going to make a difference and make the defense a lot better. But it's going to be a really fun couple of weeks. Uh, I like. I mean. Josh Jackson, I like a lot. You know, he switched what wide receiver corner, and he just seemed to. I mean, he was a star in that 2021 spring camp. 
yeah. uh, after making the switch, first time playing cornerback full time, and he was a playmaker. He might have been the the star of spring camp, but had the shoulder injury late, did not play last year's spring. You know, he was in rehab for the most of the time, and then this year also struggled to get on the field just with injuries. So, yeah, very talented player, but you know, can't make the club in the tub as they like to say. Yeah, so they're... you have to your best trait has to be your availability and just being available to be on the field and practice and ultimately play in games. Yeah, you wish him well, because uh, but someone that I liked a lot, I, you know, I like Cortland Ford a lot. I thought there was a lot of potential there. I mean, a starter at tackle. I mean, Malcolm Epps was a guy I kept predicting was going to make big things. I mean, he's catching a touchdown in our tunnel vision intro, you know? So it, it's not like they're losing, the, the guys you're losing aren't, I mean, they're significant guys, but I think you can, you can survive, you know, losing these guys, which shows how much he's built up this roster. If this was like two years ago, you could that could have been your starting left, you know, tackle, your starting tight end, and your you know um, starting cornerback. And uh, now it's none of those, right? So, um, you know, I, you you know, obviously, you wish those guys well. I think they were all really fun to talk to and good quotes, and just you know, uh, you hoping you know going forward, but it opens up some spots, and maybe you get. Uh, you know, a top 50 defensive tackle, which, again, like those guys don't grow on trees. So it'll be the next couple of weeks will be interesting. Uh, any more names, you know, that go into the portal. And then, of course, uh, you know, USC fans. I don't know how many bear comments were in there. Like people we did. We did a really good job. Like Jack hinted at it or just made it like a pun about the bear. And they're like, do you even know who he is? Like, yes, we know who he is. We're just not mentioning it yet. But saving um, it to keep you watching for 50 minutes. <laughs> how, how would USC fans feel about a man named Bear on their team? Well, it, you can't have a better name for a defensive tackle. Like if but, you, if, but if, Bruin. <laughs> UCLA Bruin, I'm just saying. I think they'll take the top 50 recruit on the defensive line just sure. from the comments. Sure. I think the first comment when I posted like Tunnel Vision will be live, and, like the first was like a teddy bear, like someone put a gif of a, a bear in there. Like, fans are gonna be using, might be using the bear gif a lot more. Yeah. And let me just say, we're we're talking like bears already on the team. No, he's not on the team. And again, no. you know, just what you know, our Georgia side was reporting that USC is a serious contender here, maybe even you know the team to beat. But again, we've heard very good things about USC and other portal players before but that ended up fading down the line. So the NIL and transfer portal is very tricky. It moves super fast. So, you know, you could be the leader for a team or a guy, you know, for the first two days and then everything changes like that. So just, just saying, you know, you can be, you know, very happy that, you know, USC is going to be a serious player here, but things change all the time in the transfer portal. So, and in recruiting in general. So let's just keep that in mind. Yeah. Not on the team yet. You mentioned NIL. I do want to get into that at some point. But Jack, if we have any more portal stuff you want to talk about, and I can, uh, we can we can switch to NIL if you want. I'm I'm looking in the questions to see if anyone else asks about the portal. I, I think the only other note I have is you mentioned that the, if you know you're running out that defensive line and it's everyone new. You know you did lose Tuli Tuli Plotu to the NFL, but didn't have a lot of guys transfer out from that defensive line. So your backup defensive line is basically your starting line from last year minus Tuli Tupotu. <laughs> if you have, you know, Bear Alexander and Anthony Lucas and uh, you have uh, Jack Sullivan, Jack Sullivan and, and maybe even, you know, Sam Green. Up there. Like, 
if you have those guys, your backups, which are maybe the guys that come in uh, on those long drives where the offense is running hurry up, or if someone gets injured, you're bringing in maybe Dejon Ben, Romello Height, Solomon Burr, all these guys that we have mentioned, Corey Foreman even, who was you know the top player in the country a couple years ago. Like yeah. That's your backup now if you've got a Bear Alexander and Anthony Lucas coming in. So I think it's important to mention that USC is bringing in some, some high marquee names on defense and looks to continue to as well, but... They haven't had a lot of big names transfer out on that defensive line because I think that they were even, you know, pitching to the guys, hey, we use the depth here and and we want to have a really deep unit because they did cycle out at times last year, but you kind of got the vibe that they wanted to cycle through the defensive line more to keep everyone fresh uh, and, you know, having everyone play different positions so that they can be versatile. I think that they'll run through a lot of guys this year. And if you keep adding to the list, that's just more talent you can run through as well. Look at Tyrone Teleni. You know, undersized, hadn't played a lot in his college career. Seven and a half tackles for a loss. You know, second, tied for second on the team. So they they use that rotation, and yeah. there's plays to be made. And you know, having a guy that like Tyrone come off the bench, who had you know nearly was flirting with ten and a half tackles for or ten tackles for a loss last year. That's a really good guy to come off the bench. And even though he's undersized. He showed he has a high motor and can make plays. Yeah, and uh, I want to mention uh, Kobe Pepe played in the spring game, but he's still in the portal, if I'm not mistaken. Is that yeah, the... as far as our portal checkers, sources say, you know, he is still active in the portal. So yeah, he might just be getting tape for his next, you know, uh, it'll yeah, be I interesting, mean, or he wants to stay. But yeah, I think he made at least a play or two in the game yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I think they called his name. Uh, I'd have to look at it. Yeah. Sure. I don't. <laughs> I don't recall hearing his name. Not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I yeah. don't recall. They did. They did some some wrong names. I, I forget who they said. Like uh, it was like the Keon Bards was chasing. Uh, Miller Moss showed some some good wheels yesterday. Like he had some. Uh, Malachi Nelson, I think, did too. They took mm-hmm. off and ran a little and, bit. Which and Jake Jensen. It's kind of like everyone behind Caleb Williams. Maybe they're learning something from him. Yeah, and when it's like a two hand touch thing, the quarterback, like you don't have to be tackled, you just have to be touched. It's free money. They were still running uh, and picking up first down without getting touched, which is something. But Bars, you know, chased Moss down from behind, and I think they called somebody else's names. I'm like, no, that was that was 92. That was definitely Bars. Yeah. Um, so they got some names wrong. But the, on the NIL uh, situation, uh, we did. Th- there's another player in the space, and if you were at the spring game, or if you've seen on Twitter, uh, House of Victory, um, maybe uh, there's, I don't know, not I don't want to say remnants of Boulevard, but there's, there's you know, like a couple of people, like uh, Megan and Spencer, you know, they're they're part of this, but it's pretty much um, a start from scratch sort of. Uh, entity now, and it's if you saw the video, they they uh, they've actually bought um, put significant you know revenue behind or resources towards buying the marks, so they can uh, they bought into the the licensing for USC. So it's a collective that can actually use like the Carlton and Gold colors and the USC logos. They bought you know they they're working with I forget what the company's name is, but the, the Basically, that they sell all the ads in the Coliseum and all that stuff. So it's like kind of like the marketing um, uh, arm for like USC athletics, and uh, you know they bought that uh, basically that two minute uh, ad essentially that had uh, you know Caleb Williams you know featured in it, but former players like Matt Barkley and uh, you know Rodney Pete and a uh, bunch of guys like that. So I think John David Booty was in there. I forget the other one, uh, but the. And, you know, former players, and they have, you know, it's focused on. So I had a conference call with these guys, and uh, it's focused on football and men's basketball and women's basketball, but they will 
uh, pick top athletes from other sports to you know setting them up with NIL deals. Um, you know, I thought really just when like Boulevard failed that now it was going to be you know we I know the guys from the Tommy Group. I kind of like what they were doing. Uh, the the engaged guys. There's there's other you know NIL entities that have popped up. I'm like okay, I think they're going to do a nice job. I didn't really expect much from what like sort of the void that Boulevard left, but you know, to be honest, I've been impressed with what we've seen. The former players that's, you know, this isn't a Texas-based company. This is like USC alumni. I've had, you know, I got calls from people that were on the board that were telling, I didn't know they were involved in this. And like, hey, I'm involved. There's some big, you know, kind of heavy hitters that are in this. They've got significant, um, you know, money behind it. And that's the whole thing with the NIL is you need people that can write big checks, you know. And I I don't think with Boulevard that, People felt all that comfortable, right? They didn't know where it was going or what it was going for. This is sort of like a, a USC thing. There's like former players. There's you know a lot of alumni. Uh, it's USC people, and it seems like it's made some of the bigger boosters feel more comfortable donating money to it. So, I mean, it just launched, so you just saw all the stuff. You can see that video on social media and everything um, going forward. Oh, uh, Anthony Davis, I think, was also involved mm-hmm. as one of the former players, too. Um, so, I, but I... I just want to say I'm more – I don't – you know, the NIL stuff is just kind of crazy. It's a, The landscape's changing. We might see consolidation on stuff. I'm just – I wouldn't have bet that I would have liked what I saw from like House of Victory, whatever it was called. And I've liked it. I I've, I've, I've have been impressed from what they're doing. So uh, I think, you know, if you're going to get a guy like Bear Alexander, like you really do need um, people to be, you know, guys that have money, whoever, people that have money, that are alumni, that want to – help out and keep players or get players to, to come to SC, um, get that NIL kind of train rolling and, and have it be a positive, you need stuff like this. So um, I've, you know, it's just launched, uh, but so far I've been pretty impressed. So it's been a little different. I don't know if you guys saw the video on the field, what you guys thought of it or anything. Or... Yeah, One of the things that it's really interesting to me and that maybe proves that it's kind of already working, Boogie Ellis is in the video despite you know deciding to come back just a couple of days ago to USC, which kind of maybe shows you how quickly that, that this kind of thing can work. You know, Maybe they see a player hit the portal. They, they see you know, a player may, might be thinking about leaving for another school and Maybe they go and close things up because for a player like Boogie Ellis, who maybe was going to get drafted, maybe wasn't, but could go play in the NBA G League like Isaiah Mobley's doing right now, and who was seemed like he was fully intending on leaving USC after March Madness ended, to bring a player like that back, a, a guy who's all Pac-12 first team, it, you, you got to think there's some NIL behind it as well. Uh, and so the fact he's in the video, which you probably thought had to be made for a while and you know it wasn't it wasn't like it was made on the spot just a couple of days before the spring game including a guy like Boogie Ellis who just said he was going to come back last week maybe shows you a little bit more about you know House of Victory yeah I think we saw the video they showed us on the conference call I think it was like Thursday or something but it still was being edited so but yeah I'm sure that it takes a while you got to shoot all that stuff like that was probably shot for a while um, but yeah what did you think Chris I like the commercial just from like a visual standpoint, I thought it was really ma- well made and well done and very attention grabbing. And you know, to have all those former players and current guys, like I think Justin Dietrich was in it, Marshawn Lloyd was in it. So yeah, I thought it was a really good uh, visually and attention grabbing commercial. But and you mentioned big check writers, Jack. I just wanted you to be on the lookout for Moneybags Manford. Just just. 
keep an eye out if he's if he's in there. I just want to let you we know. Did, we did get a donation from somebody. Yes, we it's did. I, I looked at the question, and Benny, if you're still in here, it there's no question. It just says, I just wanted to say to Ryan, Chris, and Jack. And I went on my phone to see if it was if there was a longer thing attached, but it was just that. So either maybe he just wanted to say hi yeah, or – you, you got to put the donuts up, Jack. Yeah, you put his. You gotta, you gotta did put, you put his you thing up there? I'll do it right now. Yeah, but shout him out. Anytime yeah. a donut, you gotta put it up. Thanks, there. Benny. Well, we appreciate you guys that. were you guys were well into talking about something. Yeah. That you I didn't cut us to... off. You uh, cut us off, Jack, for the donations. And just so people know, so when Boulevard first started, they really were like the official partner with USC, and that was sort of unique. We hadn't seen that before. And the NCAA then came out and said. I think it was October. Hey, you can't do that. You can't be. They can't be officially. So basically, it's sort of like the cool thing or whatever. Like what could have been cool about Boulevard was like basically banned, so it couldn't happen anymore. Um, so what USC is doing now, they have. If you're an NIL, they're not um, turning people away. So if you, you know, uh, if if anyone out there starts an NIL collective tomorrow. If you remember when Student Body Right came out, USC basically like ignored it, didn't want to acknowledge it existed. They wanted everyone to go to Boulevard. Now they're not doing that. Now they're going to be more open, um, allowing your existence, where they really were trying not to do that before. But they have a training program. Uh, I don't know how extensive it is, but I do know that like the three you know NIL collectives that I know about that I've talked to the most, that you know Jake Olson's like let's let's engage. Um, you know, Alex Holmes, Keyshawn Johnson uh, with the Tommy group, and then, of course, the, the House of Victory. They've all gone through that training program. So you're a proud – I think you're a proud sponsor now, um, but you're not like an official partner. So even uh, House of Victory is not like an official partner. They don't have those anymore. But they're a proud sponsor, uh, and they also put the investments into you know, buy those marks and so they can actually use all the logos and stuff. So – there's sort of like this process that they've put in place now, but the, you know, if so, if someone starts, if some billionaire starts a collective tomorrow, that's just going to like give a whole bunch of money to players before USC was just like, nah, we don't want this. And now it seems like they're more open to that, but it's probably going to be easier if there is some sort of consolidation. Uh, the, the house of victory is a nonprofit Boulevard. Wasn't that we've seen, you know, everyone I talk to, if you talk to someone that's in the nonprofit one, they're like, that's better. If you talk to someone that's in the, you know, it's not a nonprofit. Well, there's problems if you're going to be a nonprofit. That they think that's better, but uh, you know, that they seem really happy with it. So, if you gave a donation, it would be um, tax deductible. So, yeah, there's. It's a. I mean, I wrote about a lot of the stuff in the War Room uh, from Friday. If you want to check it out, but uh, this was before their official announcement came out on Friday, um, and then so you know now you got to see the the video and everything, and they're tweeting and all that kind of stuff. So, before I ask a question and then turn to a couple of questions, I will tell you now there's a donation on the screen so chris i'll let you read it and take it away i don't have my glasses i can't read oh okay well manford says he appreciates the shout out and okay, he calls you 10k that's money bags manford jack <laughs> my apologies i haven't been is, here in an, three this months this is an amateur hour this is money bags manford and you're gonna have to play that cha-ching sound oh, you gotta see find if i it. can read here we go you got, there you go nice that's his that's his that's his thing so now you learn money bags manford's in you dropped the chain, the NIL, <laughs> who's not really in the NIL space. I don't know what he does. I think he's an oil tycoon. I have no idea. I made nice. that up. Oh, we got another one. I'll let you finish up. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Okay, here we go. We've got another one from from Marcus who says, thoughts on the running back slash H-back group. And I, can I play the sound or we just play the sound? For, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, will, will there be a test on all this information? Or? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I no. haven't decided yet. What was the question? Thoughts on the running back slash H-back group. 
Oh, H-back. We didn't really H-back. see... Um, did we see... Uh, Carson Tabarachi He did was play a couple plays. There. He was out there, you know, still a work in progress with that position. You know, yeah. you'll get Cade Eldridge, the, the three-star freshman out of Washington. You'll get him in the summer, and, you know, he's being talked about as, you know, a perfect fit for that H-back as a guy who played running back and all that and everything on offense for, for his high school. So fits that mold perfectly. You got Carson Tabarachi, a former running back from his days playing at Park City, Utah. I believe it's Park City, but up in Utah when he was in high school. So they have some some versatile talent there, and, you know, he's a guy who can catch and block and maybe line up and do all those things. So it's a very interesting position group, and I'm excited to see how that moves forward. I think you could be excited about that just because they have some new body types in there. You have Carson Tabarachi. You have incoming Kate Elders, as I mentioned. So those guys are going to be able to play with. You'll get Jude Wolf, who back from injury, from his foot injury, who was playing the H-back position last spring before he got hurt. So we haven't really even really gotten to see what he can do in that position. So we'll see what he looks like in the summer and fall when he is back. So that's an interesting H-back spot. And then in terms of the running back, we've already mentioned some of those guys, but just so much more depth than last year. You yeah. have... Austin Jones, who could be a 1,000-yard rusher if he started. You have Marshawn Lloyd, who almost had a 1,000 yards in the SEC and is a big guy, just has to stay you know, a little bit more healthy. But two guys that are capable of being bell cows in this offense, and you saw the explosive plays that Austin Jones had, You know, his one carry for or catch or whatever it was for 20 yards. It was a carry, yeah. It was a carry. And then Marshawn Lloyd with the, with the wiggle, as I tweeted out, you know, getting the spin. Breaking across the field, going upfield, one catch for 24 yards. You saw those explosive playmaking. And then we've already talked about the two freshman guys who, you know, combined for, I believe, close to 150 yards rushing on, like, 15 carries or something like that with two touchdowns. So just a, so much talent. And that's even without talking about Relique Brown. If they move him back, put him, keep him at slot, whatever. But Darwin Barlow, too. And Darwin Barlow, too. You know, is a guy who I think, you know, if all things considered, if all things were equal and he – was given starters minutes, I think he would produce at that level. Just has, you know, obviously, just has to get the confidence up. You know, he doesn't have, he doesn't get a ton of touches, but when he does get some touches, I think he produces really, really well. But yeah. he doesn't, you know, he made get UCLA enough. pay, like Jack made UCLA pay. Yeah. So you know, I think he's a very talented runner. He's got some speed to him. You know, that I believe he's East Texas. So those guys, you know, they produce running backs out there. <laughs> got some big legs. So he you does know, have... he can can run over some dudes. So. He can squat a little bit, I think. They're bigger. I think they're faster than they were a little bit uh, last year. And, yeah, I think they're just just at deadly. Shout out to Kyle McDonald, who just goes out and finds running backs. When we're talking about recruiting, just gets those guys. Because Quentin Joyner and Amarian Peterson weren't, like, super heavily talked about national guys. And then, you know, landed both of them in, in going into the summer. And then they both kind of blew up. I believe Amarian Peterson had close to 2,000 yards. Quint Joyner had close to 2,000 yards, and he was an All-American for the uh, the NBC uh, All-American game. So guys that just kind of blew up in their senior year, credit to him. He just goes out and finds running backs wherever they may be and, and, and develops them as well. So Kyle McDonald doing a really, really good job with that running back room. Would not be worried about that room. Running back room one bit. Well, you know? yeah, you're, you're five guys deep. You've got you know, one of the uh, five-star running back recruit that's changed to a slot receiver. So that's even six guys if Relique Brown needed to run. And you talk about the wide receiver room too, and then that, there you're like 10 guys deep. And, you know, I know that no one I think is US, is worried about the USC offensive skill positions, but it's like just the embarrassment of riches that they do have. 
Ryan, I had one question about the NIL thing. And I know sure. that now that you have kind of followed, you know, I know you know people from the different groups. Having people that you know have worked at USC, worked in the personnel office and Megan Mueller, Spencer Harris, do you feel like House of Victory has more of a tie to USC or, you know, do you feel like there's any preference from USC based on whether it is the Tommy group, whether it is Jake Olson's group or House of Victory? Do you feel like there's maybe a stronger tie? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think there would be because I feel like the USC athletic department really wanted Boulevard to kind of survive. And um, maybe this was, you know, I, but I don't think this was like, you know, Spencer Harris, who you know, and Megan Mueller. Like, I don't think this was there. Like they created it all. I think there was definitely a big push from some, uh, you know, powerful alumni, former players. Uh, you know, there was some infrastructure in place already from Boulevard, like with guys like Spencer and, and Megan, and and bringing them on board. He's, I think, Spencer's like the executive director or something now, so he's kind of high up uh, in this one, um, and he's the one that ran the call uh, that we had, like a Zoom call with him. Um, you know, late last week, but yeah, I feel like, you know, this, the athletic departments, um, you know, they're, 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 they're big in on this. I don't think they would have allowed the, the, the marks and all that kind of stuff. It seems like, you know, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but it seems like there was some sort of collaboration there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I thought USC was pretty much behind the Tommy group when I went to their event, uh, you know, in Hollywood, like there was, you know, you had the whole team there, you know, the whole staff there. Um, that was a big deal, like the fact that this was very different than what we saw where they were basically just shunning student body right, you know. So I feel like they were really supporting the Tommy group and, you know, having former players I think was a big part of that and some prominent alumni. And this is another group that has former players and prominent alumni. So, yeah, I think they're, you know, behind this uh, as well as far as like, but, they're, you know, they're they're trying to do everything, you know, by the book or whatever. You know, the NCAA doesn't make the rules very clear, but they are not pushing any envelopes as far as that goes. So they're not having like official partnerships or things like that. Um, and, you know, they, they went over some of the things that you can say, like they just want to help Lincoln Riley win football games. It's basically like, that's all we're, we're here to do. We got to raise money and help them win football games. And um, it's not a thing where they could say, Hey, incoming quarterback, uh, you, we're going to give you this much money. Um, and, you know, if Lincoln Riley asked them for that, like they can't really say here, this is the kind of money we could get this guy, but they can say, you know, here's what, you know, the kind of range we do for quarterbacks and kind of give him, you know, ballpark numbers of things that they can do. And so they're, they've made it pretty clear, like what the lines are and there's going to be, you know, limits of the communication or whatever that can kind of go on. But to answer your question, yeah, I think, I think the athletic department seems to be, uh, behind this. I don't think you would have seen that video playing in the Coliseum uh, if that was not the case. But, you know, they were really supportive with the Tommy group, too. I don't know, you know, where that stands, uh, you know, if that's changed at all. But uh, they are they are allowing all these entities to exist now instead of trying to, you know, the, the Boulevard thing, they really just want everyone to go to Boulevard. A lot of people didn't want to go to Boulevard, and it just sort of all kind of blew up. So um, this one looks a lot more promising to me, uh, and it seems like the athletic department's, you know, behind it as well. All right. Well, we have some questions that we can kind of run through before we wrap it up. I hate to throw it right back at you, Ryan, but there is one more question about House of Victory from a fan. Danny asks, does House of Victory serve only current athletes or does it also include high school recruits? Yeah. So this is um, part of USC following the rules. And I kind of reiterate this every time I write about NIL. No NIL collective that I know of that's associated with the USC at all. No one's giving money to high school prospects. It's enrolled students, so student athletes. So play, you know, if you're on the roster, you've gotten to school, those are the kind of, you know, so 
indirectly when you'd be like, hey, there's these deals that are potentially, you know, what you could get. Yes, but they're not um, giving bags of money to high school players to come to USC. So that's USC's avoided that at all costs. They've continued to avoid that. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that, but because there's schools that are definitely doing that. Um, but that's, yeah, House of Victory is not uh, engaging in that. All right, Chris, I'll direct this one to you. Harold asks from YouTube, who were the offensive line starters yesterday? Michael Tarquin at left tackle, Gino, Gino Quinones at left guard, Justin Dietrich at center, Jarrett Kingston at right guard, and Jonah Monheim at right tackle. Yeah. I don't know if we saw that more than the opening series, if we saw that same group. Yeah, we saw that again. They came out again? Yeah. Okay. Cameron asks a uh, question. I'm concerned that Tackett Curtis is too small for a linebacker. I'm going to take the, the courtesy of answering this one. I, I have walked past Tackett Curtis going to class at school, and it seems like maybe he's coming from an early workout. I think it's mostly on Wednesday mornings that I see him. And I, that dude could beat me up and throw me in a trash can <laughs> if he wanted to. I, you have no need to be concerned about Tackett Curtis's size. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about Tackett uh, in his performance in the spring game yesterday. The size and the physicality is, is certainly there. It's the other things that linebackers need to learn to clean up, but no need to worry about Tackett Curtis's size. And I don't think I'll even let Chris answer that one because I feel like that question maybe offends your Tackett Curtis agenda. Um, let's see. Jonathan asks, "You think that? Do you think that they intended to only start Williams for the first drive in order to not show their hand?" I think they just didn't want to get him hurt, and like, like Riley said, he's played a lot of ball. He doesn't need to go out yeah. there in the spring game and do th- uh, five drives or anything like that. The only reason would be to show the fans, you know, like if the fans were there to see, you know, that that would be really the only reason. But you got to see like the flash of, oh yeah, Caleb Williams. Really freaking good at football. Sit down, son. You're done. And then yeah. the Heisman presentation at yes. halftime. So yeah, that that, was, that cool. was part of it too. So and that was the he- so Caleb Williams got got his Heisman in New York. But the there's three copies of the Heisman. Is the the player gets one, the Heisman Trust gets one, and the school gets one. And this was the presentation for USC to get it for the school. So now when you go to Heritage Hall, at some point they will be displaying the Caleb Williams Heisman. And there was also no numbers in the uh in the end on the peristyle end so they you know those were gone so i don't know if they're going to rearrange so they could add another one in there if they're going to put his number out there i don't think they had those numbers there like when liner was playing i think this question has come up before because liner came back you know so basically your number's retired but you're still wearing it um so caleb williams number is going to be retired but he's still wearing it so i don't know if they'll put the number 13 up in the end zone that'll be interesting to see uh this season I've got an inside scoop. I, I walked past Heritage Hall today and decided, oh, let me walk to the to the window and see if if it's in there yet. And none of the none of the Heisman's were in there, so maybe they were showing it to recruits yesterday at the spring game. And uh, but Caleb's Heisman not yet in Heritage Hall. I will check back next week and you know maybe come back and see whether it's there or not, and maybe try and take a photo, post it on Twitter for any fans that are curious. But not there quite yet. Nice. Uh, but it will be there at some point. Uh, Midwest Trojan asks on YouTube, which of the Branch brothers do you think has a bigger season this or a better year this? coming season oh that's a good one that's a good one i would probably say zach just because it's easier as a wide receiver to yeah. you know quantify that that impact i know as a defensive uh player you, you have tackles interception and all that but you know as, as a receiver you could have like 50 catches for 600 yards and eight touchdowns and you're like yeah you're you're the guy and it's easier to break in as a skill player than as a defensive player because just got to go out there and catch the ball. You have to learn the offense, but he is a 10-3 runner. 
five-star number one overall wide receiver in the country. So I'm going to say him just because I feel like it's easier for him to break into that group. Yeah, even I would agree. If if, if you give, say, both of those guys, you could potentially get like 10, 15 snaps a game. Well, Zachariah Branch is going to have more production in his 10, 15 snaps. Unless, you know, uh, Zion just has a couple of picks or something when he's in there, which would be great, you know, if he's able to do that. But I just think it's going to be easier they're probably going to get like a small amount of snaps each or, you know, what a handful of snaps or whatever it is, if it's double digits. But, you know, probably, you know, unless Zion, you know, Zion ends up starting and he's getting, you know, 60 snaps a game, then, okay, that'd be different. But I, I kind of feel like they're both going to play some, but if you're going to play some as an offensive player, you're probably getting more production. And Zion's coming off a knee injury too. So remember, he's going to be slowly brought in to get him back up to full speed. So he'll have that disadvantage of coming off the knee injury. Yeah, Coach Boyle on YouTube is asking the important questions here. He said, if Mason Cobb wins the Heisman, whose number is retired? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Uh, that would be, yeah, that would be good. Um, what, how many, this is, Mason Cobb has one year, right? He's like a one-year mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, so it's not like, so it would be interesting if he was like, you know, a sophomore or something, and then Caleb Williams leaves, and you're like, okay, his number's retired, you got to change, because like, you can't keep this number anymore. Even now, like you know, he's wearing it right now. You're like, eh, it's, technically, it's retired. He probably should be they wearing it. They would put that. two thirteens up, <laughs> one being the the white for the defense. Mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Would that that would be the first white uh, jersey put up there? I think that that would look look pretty cool. Have some contrast in there. A couple more. Uh, LFG on YouTube asks uh, if, as rumored, USC hopes to add three to six more new inbound transfers. Who do you think are some guys who are likely to depart to open up those needed roster spots? Do you guys have any inklings of you know who might be some of those other guys to enter the portal, or is this you know, a question that's a little too hard to answer right I, now? With questions like this, I don't like putting out specific names, because then it just creates like more yeah. rumors about it. Even if I heard a name, I wouldn't be throwing it out there. But I would say positions to maybe look at, I would say defensive back. You know, there's a a gluttony of defensive backs that they have there in that room, specifically the safety. So that would be a room to kind of look at and maybe a little bit more on the offensive line standpoint in terms of, you know, the they're, they're really back in reserves. Those are kind of two rooms to kind of keep an eye on, mainly so being defensive back. Yeah. All right, we've got one final one from Cigar on YouTube. He says he wants an overall team grade post-spring ball. So I guess we can end it out by each giving our overall grade. I don't know whether he says, like, a grade for how the spring went or a grade on the team. So I'll just leave that up to your guys' discretion, which one you'd prefer. I don't want to go first because maybe he'll write back in and clarify. All right, Cigar, if you're if you're still in the chat, let us know are whether we doing, you mean. Are we doing, like, the position groups, or are we doing like just overall? Just I would the say whole thing? we grade it out of a hundred for how you think that the team looks coming out of the spring. Instead of just grading the fifteen days of the spring, grade it. Grade it. Okay. The overall um, grade out of a hundred. Uh, I'm gonna go like it's gonna be like B plus territory. I'm gonna give like an eighty-eight. I think it would be like yeah. I was thinking like eighty-five. All right. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, the definitely there's you know the offense is gonna be good. Like. I don't know. Like, if they're getting half the grade, they're they're getting like forty eight or forty nine or something. And then on the defensive side, like you're seeing some some promise for sure. And we got to give special teams some of it too. I think special teams better. But so you know, I, yeah, I think there's reason to be optimistic on the defensive side. But I think Lincoln Riley accomplished what he wanted to out of this. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty high grade. And they brought in some good freshmen that you know were contributing all over that spring game. I think the freshmen. Are going to have an impact this year so a lot of good players with the with the transfer portal and then the high school class so 
85 is a rough sin. And I think maybe most importantly, they got out of spring very healthy. Yeah, that's a really, I mean, that's part of, that's a win, uh, you know, getting out of the spring like that. And, you know, you feel pretty good about a lot of the new players that you brought in. Sometimes they don't work out, you know, but it seems like Mason Cobb, do you remember how well Shane Lee fit in uh, when he when he first came in? It seems like Mason Cobb's, you know, very similar and highly productive player. And, you know, you get a, a Jamil Muhammad from Georgia State, and you're like, I don't know. He's running with the first team. You know, he's like, he looks really good. You're like, okay, some little dude, you know, not little, he's not little, but, uh, you know, from some small school that you never, like, knew anything about, you can get a player like that coming in and being highly productive. Like, that's great. You know, someone that was in the Big Ten, like a Jack Sullivan, and, you know, the three players from Arizona, like, could all start. You know, you basically went to Arizona and put three of their best players, and they're now on, on USC's team, you know. So there's... I think you just wanted to make sure that those guys were fitting in. It looks like they are, like Chris said, they're healthy. So yeah, I, I would give them a pretty high grade coming out of spring. Yeah, I think I think I'm in that same range, probably like an 87, just with how good the offense is. And then you you need to see it from the defense before you can raise the grade. I, I will say that with Mason Cobb being here and Shane Lee coming back, I made it. I think I made it a guarantee on an instant with Chris last year that Eric Gentry would be a captain this year. But like all three of those guys seem like they're always one upping each other with the stories we hear about their leadership. That I don't I don't know how confident I feel on that guarantee anymore because that room just has so many guys that are being great leaders. Well, it's gonna be tough. To find that other captain, because like you have Justin Dietrich returning, you have Shane Lee returning, Caleb Williams obviously is a a favorite to he was the captain last year, correct? He was, yeah. 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 So that's three returning captains. Like who is going to fill that fourth spot? Who was the fourth last year? Off the top of my head, and I'm stalling. <laughs> it wasn't Brett Nealon, right? They only had one lineman. Travis Dye? It uh, was Travis, Travis Dye, yeah. and then I think Thule took over a bit oh, at the end Thule, of the year. Thule was a captain. You're right. Yeah, was Caleb? Maybe Caleb wasn't a captain. Ha ha! I was right. I think I it was wasn't it. it Travis? I think he was a captain. Was he? Well, I, I think. I'm pretty sure it was Thule, Justin Dietrich, Travis Dye, and then and Shane, Shane Lee. Lee. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Caleb was a captain. I don't think he was. So maybe, I don't know. Well, you have to assume he's going to be a captain this year. I mean, year. duh. Yeah, yeah. You would I think so. Like, yeah, I guess it's going to be hard. I mean, I wasn't expecting you, – you mean getting both – getting two of the captains back that could have easily left to go try and make it in the NFL and Shane Lee and Justin Dietrich, I think that makes my guarantee kind of uh, – it, it's a little bit more up near than I was expecting it to when I made it uh, last year. But that's kind of it that we've got for the stream. Ryan, do you want to tell everyone what they need to do with the YouTube video? Yeah, make sure you go uh, like and subscribe over there. We had, I think, up to 400 people watching on YouTube, and I saw on Facebook we're getting those going again. We're not scheduling the Facebook. I think Facebook took away the ability for us to schedule the videos, but they will go live, and we'll try to keep them, you know, if we keep on a regular basis. But if you put the alerts on, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, make sure you click that little bell thing, you know, get the alerts on. So if we do go live, you will get a notification. Like I get one on my phone when we go live on Facebook. Uh, and same thing on YouTube. You can like us there. Uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, Inside Troy, and then also turn on notifications so when we do go live, it's not just Tunnel Vision. We'll do podcasts and stuff as well. And maybe we'll start doing that. We'll go live on Facebook for the podcast uh, as well, which is kind of fun. Just you know, another avenue. And then we're doing them on Twitter too. So, But our, our the comments from Facebook, and we got some Facebook comments you were seeing over there, right, Jack? Yep. So, so we're getting Facebook comments and YouTube comments, which is great, so we can kind of funnel those and put them on the screens. Jack was doing a nice job of putting a lot of your comments and stuff up there. And then 
If you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, we have a 50% off sale going on right now. And if you're a monthly member, you can actually upgrade to annual and get 50% off. So make sure you go check it out. It's a great deal. We'll have tons and tons of content going up. There'll be recruiting events going on every weekend. Uh, Gerard will be killing it. You know, Chris just doing a great job. Jack will be out with us. RJ, five-star Jarrett. We got everyone. Trevor's doing stuff from Arizona for us. Shotgun on the East Coast. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Tons of content. No one covered. I mean, we had more people at the spring game than anybody. I think probably everyone combined yesterday. So, um, yeah. So make sure you go check it out. If you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, it's great. And we do appreciate the... Uh, the uh, the super chats in there, so um, you don't we don't ask for that. Like we're not, you know, but it's really nice when you do something like that. It's a little, uh, we appreciate it. So thanks for putting those in. And if you, if you do put, you know, a little five dollar donation or ten dollar donation or whatever, it 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 pops up, so we see it, and it's easier to read your question and stuff like that too. But we don't, you know, you don't need to do that. But uh, we do appreciate all the questions, all the comments, and everything. And uh, hope you keep uh, enjoying the shows. We'll keep doing these throughout the off season. Official list of captains: Caleb Williams, Justin Dietrich, Tui Tui Pelotu, and Shane Lee. So we were wrong on Travis so Dye. I was not. I thought he was. For Mandela affect me. So you've got three of the four captains from last year returning. But gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough battle for that fourth spot. But anyways, yes, everything that Ryan said rings true. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and spending your Sunday night with us. I'm not sure, Ryan, if you plan on this being a recurring thing. But now that I have a car, we don't have to keep uh, pushing it off. <laughs> Every week, we, we, that's sort of like we didn't really get to do the beginning of spring, and then I think you got your car, and then we're sort of like, eh, we haven't done one yet. I don't know if we need to do one. And you know, Chris is always like, whatever, because we <laughs> we do too many live shows. He's doing a lot. the The composite two star recruits podcast is like four hours sometimes, so he's in the studio quite a bit. So I get it, uh, but I love doing these, and we'll you know, I think we'd try to do it more regular basis and stuff. Probably going to be traveling through the off season, but you know, we'll. We'll pop in and do these, and uh, if if you guys like the times, that's great. It's, it seems like the evening ones do better uh, than what we do like afternoon ones for podcasts and stuff, and that's that's sort of what makes it tunnel visiony is what we do them at, at night. Well, anyways, that's that's all we've got for you guys. Thank you for spending your Sunday night with us. Uh, for Ryan and Chris in the studio, I've been Jack, and we've been Tunnel Vision. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you around soon. <laughs>